everybody, Ron Russell right here from PTC Ministries. Won't you come go with us today as we get into the Word? I believe the Lord is going to speak to your heart, and I'll come back and greet you at the end. Now, he never said it would be easy, but he did say he would always be with us. And I know that we have become a society that likes things to be easy. Now, I would not be honest if I did not stand before you and tell you that I'd like for it to be easy as well. But I've lived a little bit. Some of you lived a little bit longer than me. And you understand what I'm getting ready to say. It's not always easy. But that doesn't mean that we don't fulfill the task and the mandate that's put before us. And sometimes when you are driven, I was accused the other day by my daughter-in-law because she was trying to get my son to take off work. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you're the cause for that because he said, I'm not taking off work. I can't help it. It was, we was driven. If you're not sick, you go to work. Even if you're sick, you go to work. That probably wasn't the most smartest thing, but that's just the way we did it. It's the way we still do it. Why? It's because there's a drive that it's got to be done, right? I wish we would have that drive for the kingdom of God tonight across the board. It would look totally different. Now, tonight for a few moments, I want us to understand the responsibility that's been given to us as men and women of God. And uh, we're going to revisit a story that's probably familiar for some of you, maybe not so familiar for others, but I pray that it's a story that will speak to all of us this evening. So let us begin. I'm going to read through chapter number 15, just bounce through it a little bit, and uh, we're going to see where the Lord takes us. And if the Lord would help me for a few moments tonight for a subject matter, I want to talk to you about the carriers of his glory, the carriers of his glory. But let us begin in verse number one of chapter number 15, and we'll just bounce right through here together. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God. Tell your neighbor, said he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Verse number three. And David gathered all of Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. Verse number 11, verse number 12. And David called Zadok and Abathar the priest. And then he called six of the chief fathers of the Levites to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Therefore he did this, and he says, you are the chiefs of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Verse number 13. For because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God up on their shoulders with the staffs thereon as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Verse number 25. 
So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And it come to pass that when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. Verse number 27 tells us David was clothed with a robe of fine linen and all the Levites that bear the ark as well. And the singers and the master of song with the singers, David and also them, he had an ephod up on him. And notice in verse 28, thus all of Israel bore up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the cornet and with the trumpets and with cymbals making a noise with parsleys and harps. And it come to pass as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that you find in verse number one of chapter number 16, that it was set in its proper place and there was a celebration. For a few moments tonight, we want to look at this passage and we want to talk to you about the carriers of his glory. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for your precious people in this house as well as those that's joining us by way of technology this evening. Anoint this vessel tonight to speak your word. Lord, let us be able to be sensitive to what you're saying and let us have ears to hear tonight. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. And the church says, amen and amen. In this passage of scripture, in order for us to understand it, I think we should revisit chapter number 13 just for a moment to refresh our memories for those that know it and for those that may not know it to give you a little bit of background. In chapter number 13 of 1 Chronicles, if you were to read this chapter, you would find that David consulted with the captains and he got together with the elders of the leaders of Israel and he began to share his heart with them. He let them be aware of the fact that he had desired to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel back to the place that he was preparing for it. And he simply said, let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. He realized something was missing. He realized that the ark of the covenant was something that was irreplaceable. May I remind you that the ark of the covenant is a picture or a type of the presence of God and we know this, it is something that is still sought after by many today. We find that upon consulting the leaders and the elders of Israel, there was a great, there was a great, great mistake made. While they was consulting each other, they failed to consult God. And we find that they was reverting to the intellectual minds of their day and they thought that they had it figured out. And you will find that they went contrary to the instructions that had been given concerning the Ark of the Covenant. You have to understand that not just anyone could participate in the activities that was surrounding the Ark of the Covenant. When you look at it and you begin to study through it, you find that there was complete detailed instructions of how it was to be handled and dealt with. And none of those was followed in chapter number 13. You will find that David and his men, they went and they took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it on a new cart 
And they began to do the process of trying to bring it to a place that had been prepared for it. We know that according to the writings that this did not go as planned. Even though, notice with me, when they got there, they was filled with joy. They was filled with excitement. There was shouting. There was celebrating. There was musical instruments that was been played. Uh, and everything uh, had a sound to it. And it sounded correctly, but yet the process had not been fulfilled. Not only was there a specific group of people that was supposed to carry this ark, but there was a process that had to be followed in order for the ark to be transported and moved. It was never to be put on a cart, but it was always to have staffs that was put through it, and it was supposed to be elevated on the shoulders of the Levites and the high priest was to be part of this process as well. And you will find that none of that was followed, but before they ever touched it, before they ever started anything, there was a sanctification process that had to be followed as well. But because of the oxen that was pulling the new cart stumbled, and you know that Yuza touched it, and God put a breach up on Israel and David and the people at that moment, and death came to him. Now, we will find that with David, we find in chapter number 13, he was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon him, is what your Bible says. But he thought that he had, a, had, had got to a place where he could do it in his own manner. But David learned from this process. And David was afraid of God that day. And he simply then began to ask the question, how shall I bring the ark of God to the place that I have prepared for it. Now, after a space of time, after a space of about three months, because we know that the ark was taken into Obed-Edom's house and everything that Obed-Edom did prospered and was blessed for three months. And now upon that, we come to where we started our reading tonight and David made him a house, it says, in the city of David and he prepared a place for the ark of the Lord and he made a tent for it and then he began to call out to them and notice what he says. He tells them, we're going to do it differently this time. And when you begin to walk through this passage, our text together tonight, David, even though he had made preparations for the arrival of the ark, his preparations were not enough by themselves. Now, stay with me just for a few moments. In order for David and for the people of the city of David to experience what they had prepared for, there first had to be a commitment made and kept by a specific group that was amongst them. That specific group that was amongst them is the tribe of Levi, the Levites. You will find that they had to go through a very thorough process if there was ever going to be accomplished what David had set in his heart to accomplish. The Levites were the tribe of Israel that were given the responsibility of religious leadership. Notice a few things or a few duties that was resting upon the tribe of Levi or the Levites, if you want to call it in that manner. Their duties were they were the musicians, they were the gatekeepers, they were the guardians, they was the temple officials, they was the judges, as well as they was craftsmen that was very skilled. However, also out of the tribe of Levi, out of the tribe of Levi, was the lineage of Aaron. It was where the priesthood came from. 
Now, David learned after a failed attempt of trying to bring the ark into the city that there was no way around that which God had set in order. And we find that throughout Scripture. The arrival of the ark would hinge upon whether men would become willing to once again go through the process to get to a place where God would honor them to fulfill that which was in the heart of David. Notice with me in chapter number 15, verse number 13, David understood this in such a manner that he says in this manner, for because you did it not at first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. David was making the Levites aware. He had the fathers of the Levites and he had the priest there and he said, listen, there was a breach up all us because we did something that looked good in our eyes, but it was not in alignment with the commandment of God. I want to say to us this evening that there may be a lot of things that look right, maybe even feel all right, but if it's not in alignment with the word of God, it's not all right. This isn't about being harsh or being difficult or giving list of do's and don'ts. But you and I must understand that the arrival of the ark was hinged upon whether the Levites would take their tasks seriously. And you and I today must understand that roughly 2,000 years ago, there was a rebuilding that took place that we don't focus on enough, especially in the Western Hemisphere when it comes to our religious thinking or our theology. It was something that was prophetically spoken of, and it's something that we have witnessed and given birth to in the early church. But let me revisit it just for a moment. In Amos chapter number 9, verse number 11, there's a scripture here that says, In that day, meaning there would be a day that would come. That it says, in that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and I will close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. Now, when we examine this prophecy, we know not only is it dealing with Israel, not only is it dealing with the children of Israel, but it also is dealing with the Gentile race, which is you and I. We find that when you go into New Testament scripture, if you go and was to read Acts chapter number 15, you will find that we arrive at a time of religious debate or discussion, if you will, and we find that the religious leaders was in great detail discussing what was really required for there to be salvation. Now, we find that the religious leaders, there was some that had came on the scene and they were saying this, even though you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection, you still must adhere to the law of Moses and you still must be circumcised and you still must follow the law. So this was a ongoing debate and we find that Peter stands up in chapter number 15 of the book of Acts and notice what he says to them. He says, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us and put no difference between us and them 
purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you, God, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Stay with me. We'll put all these pieces together in just a few moments. After Peter got done speaking, you find that they gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. Notice after they declared what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them, and they held their peace, nobody could really say anything against them. So then we find that James stands up and he says this, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name and to disagree the words of the prophets as it is written. And then he goes on to read what I just read to you from Amos chapter 9. After this, meaning after a specific time, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord. Please notice why this is important this evening. When Jesus came in the form of man, something began to happen. There began to be a place that began to be prepared spiritually. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But let me take us back to our text for a moment. David had a desire. He had a passion. He desired for the Ark of the Covenant to be in the city of David and therefore he physically took the responsibility of not just building a house for himself and building up the city of David, but he prepared a specific place for the Ark of the Covenant to be. He then proceeded to build a tent, erect a tent for it to be under a a place of protection, meaning it's a place that is designated completely. And he realized this, while we was in the days of Saul, we did not go after the ark or we did not go after the presence of God, but that has to be dealt with. We're bringing it back and we are going to use that uh, and we are going to live in that vein and not in the vein that we was living before. And he understood the value of the presence of God. You must understand understand uh, that he had been in a place in different seasons of his life uh, where he had felt and experienced the anointing of God in a manner where he realized uh, that there is no substitute to this thing. You have to realize when you begin to look at his life as just a young shepherd boy, when he was out in the field and nobody else was around, but there became a lion and there became a bear uh, on separate occasions, but yet there was something upon him uh, that gave him the ability and the power uh, to take that beast by the beard and slay it. Uh, He understood there was a supernatural element to the presence of God. Uh, When he went to check on his brethren in in the midst of a war zone and he was commanded to deliver cheese for his father uh, and he begins to hear the noise uh, and he simply said this is there not a cause Uh, you have to realize there was an anointing upon his life where he realized listen uh, I understand Goliath that you're a man of war Uh, I understand that you have fallen and won many battles uh, and I understand that you come to me with with your sword and with your shield but, but I come to you in the name of the Lord it wasn't the name of religion it wasn't the name of denomination uh, but it 
was the name of the Lord. Uh, and when he said he came that, uh, he understood that there was power and authority. Uh, and now that David is in a place of authority, he realizes uh, that, you know what, in order for me to be what I need to be, uh, in order for me to lead people in the manner that I need to lead them, uh, in order for Jerusalem and Israel to be what God wants it to be, uh, then there has to be a place uh, prepared uh, for the ark of the Lord. Now, when we look at this in its entirety, we find uh, that David begins to prepare the place. He labors for it. Uh, he develops it. Uh, he gets it situated. Uh, but now his preparation has come to a close. Uh, and now it is the responsibility of others uh, to get it to the place that it needs to be. And now David, uh, after a failed attempt, he comes back and he, he has, uh, did his homework, so to speak, and he tells the Levites, he said, listen, uh, three months ago, ago. We went and we was going to bring this ark and put it in the place that's prepared for it. Uh, but you all didn't do what you were supposed to do. Uh, you didn't sanctify yourself. Uh, you didn't do it in the manner that God's word said to do it. Uh, and because of that, there is a breach upon us. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, it means this. Yes, in the military terms, uh, it means there's a hole in the line or, or there's a gap in the line. Uh, but it also means this, uh, that there is a severing uh, of a relationship. Uh, and what had happened with David and Israel uh, three months prior to 1 Chronicles 15 was uh, as when they went down there uh, and they was going to grab a hold of that ark uh, and they did it contrary to the word of God, uh, God said, I'm going to sever my relationship with you. Uh, so you have to realize that for three months uh, there was no relationship with David uh, and with, the, uh, with, with God. Uh, and when you look at it in this reality, uh, and can I tell you, when you've walked with the presence of God, uh, when you've walked with the anointing of God, uh, and it's not there anymore, you understand something's wrong, uh, and something's missing. Uh, and David began to go back and say, man, we got to figure this thing out. Uh, and he began to realize uh, not just anybody can usher in uh, what needs to happen in this moment. Uh, and therefore, he went back and he got the fathers of the Levites and says, listen, uh, I need you to go through the sanctification process but not just you alone. I need you to take your brethren with you and you all have a responsibility. Listen, if the city of David is ever going to experience the presence of God, then you're going to have to go through the process because it's your responsibility. It's nobody else. It's not the tribe of Judah. It's not another tribe, but it is the tribe of the Levites' responsibility to get this thing in order. Listen, once it gets here, others will have responsibility uh, but it's your responsibility to get it to where it needs to be uh, and we find that according to our reading tonight uh, that they was willing to go through the process uh, and as they went through the process uh, we find uh, that there began to be the arrival uh, of the presence of God in the city of David. Uh, you say what in the world does that have to do uh, with you and I today? Uh, when I began to look at what I shared with you from Amos chapter 9 uh, in Acts chapter number 15, uh, about 2,000 years ago, uh, we know that the tabernacle of David was in ruins. Uh, we know this. Uh, things had been torn down. Everything was shattered. Uh, but when Jesus came on the scene in the form of man, uh, and he walked this earth for 33 years, uh, and then he committed himself to the cross, uh, and he willingly laid down his life, uh, and everybody thought, oh, this is over. Uh, what they did not realize, uh, that very early in the morning, 
morning on the first day of the week, uh, not only did a Savior get up out of the ground, uh, but there was the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. Uh, and because of that tabernacle that was created, uh, there was a place for him to dwell. Uh, and can I tell you, because that place has been prepared, uh, there has also been given a responsibility. Uh, listen, he didn't just die to die, uh, but there was something that was birthed out of that. Uh, it was simply another example uh, or a type, if you would, uh, of the tribe of Levi. Uh, we're not called Levites tonight, but we are called the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, and the responsibility uh, to rest upon us uh, is exactly the same responsibility uh, that rested upon the tribe of Levi. Meaning this, uh, it is the church's responsibility uh, to usher in the presence of God. Uh, you can complain about Washington. Uh, you can complain about your local officials and your state leaders. Uh, listen, uh, most of them uh, are lost without God outside of a few exceptions. Uh, so a sinner's going to do what a sinner does. Uh, but listen, uh, when the church of Jesus Christ uh, understands its role and responsibility, uh, listen, uh, it's not about how wicked things are. No, 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 no. Uh, what matters is that we understand uh, that Jesus prepared a place. Uh, but you and I have the ability. I'm going to preach this thing for a few moments. Uh, because can I tell you, uh, when you and I understand we have the responsibility uh, to usher in the presence of God. Uh, listen, uh, there would be no reason for any shouting, no singing, no dancing uh, if the Levites had not uh, went through the process uh, and they said, we're not going to put it on a new cart today, uh, but we're going to put it on the staffs uh, and we're going to carry this thing how God told us to carry it uh, and we're going to take him into the city of David. Uh, can I tell you, uh, I feel this in my spirit tonight. Uh, it is our responsibility uh, to carry this thing into our city, uh, into our nation. Uh, I'm not here to play church today, uh, but I'm here to tell you uh, there's still a process. Uh, there's still sanctification that is required. Uh, there's still holiness that's required. Uh, I'm not here about legalistic things, uh, but I am here to tell you uh, we can't just do it how we want to. David understood. He said, things must change. It must be different. Please notice, our responsibility is to usher in him into the prepared place. Today, the Levites, they come on the scene and your Bible says that when they came, notice with me, they put the staffs therein as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. They did not do it their way. Now I understand that in a world, in a culture where everybody's got their own flavor and their own style and the world tells you we can do it our own way. How well is our own way working out? considering the current condition of our world and our nation. We're in the season of mega churches, and I'm not against big. But we were talking about this just yesterday a little bit. We have multiple facilities across our nation where every weekend hundreds of thousands of people come. They sing they hear messages, and they go back out into the world, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. But yet, 
we're surrounded and we are been choked to death with a spirit of darkness in this very moment. But yet in the early church, only 120 was in an upper room and they turned the world upside down. Think about it. Why is there such a contrast between then and now? I'll tell you why. It's because we have taught the last couple of generations that the process doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you today the process has everything to deal with it. Listen, please hear me. The Levites, if they had failed to go through the process of getting their lives in alignment and putting on the proper attire and they'd went back to the ark and tried to bring it to the city of David again, it would have failed that time as well. But because men was willing to go through the process, there was a city that began to hear a sound that it had not heard for years. There is cities all across this nation as well as the nations of the world that has a history of God moved here and God moved here and God did this and God did that. And I remember when God did and I remember when, but now it seems like there's an absence of his presence. We still have singing, we still have dancing, but we have no presence. Please hear me. His presence changes everything. In this passage of scripture, we find that the Levites is the very, the very link that brings the city of David and the presence of God together. A new policy in city hall will not bring the presence of God to this city or any other city. The only thing that will bring the presence of God to this city or any other city is if the church comes back and was willing to go through the process. And when we begin to come willing to go through the process and we begin to usher in the presence of God into the place that's been prepared for it, there can't help but begin to be a shout of rejoicing. Anybody remember reading where it simply says, taste and see that the Lord is good? When you begin to taste of him, you cannot deny that he is good. You know, there's some things that sound good, but when you take and partake of it, it's not necessarily good. Today, my wife said, this kind of sounds good. So we went and sat down and it sounded good, but it wasn't good. Please hear me. There's a lot of things the enemy will put before you and says, oh, it looks good. It sounds good. This is good, but it's not good. Folks, we must realize in order for us to usher in what God is desiring for us to experience in this last hour is there is still requirements. It's not legalism. It's not tradition, but it is coming into a place of alignment and where there is proper attire 
I'm not talking about natural attire. I'm talking about spiritual attire upon the man of God and the woman of God. Because notice in verse number 13 and 14, because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. If you've been around us any at all, you know I've preached this over and over and over that God is a God of order. He's a God of structure. If your life and my life is not in order with the word of God, our life is out of order. No matter how much you think your life is structured and ordered. Because your order is much different than his order. The result of not preparing was the creation of the breach. Is it possible today? This is just a question. Is it possible today that there were so many spots and places in our nation that has been overran by evil and demonic influence because not of policies and not just because of evil, but because of the rebellious spirit that the church has in that region? Is it possible? Because David understood, he got insight. He said, there's a breach upon us. There's a severing of a relationship with God because we chose not to consult him and we chose not to follow him. I wonder tonight, can we say with confidence what the songwriter penned? I have decided to follow Jesus. But if we take that a little bit further, after the decision was made, have we committed to it? Our Bible is very clear. It says that we are to put off the old man and we are to put on the new. That is a decision that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will have to make for themselves. It is by faith and through the grace and the mercy of God that we are saved tonight. But after experiencing salvation, there is a call. Will we make the decision to put off and to put on? The Levites had to make a decision at this moment when David came to them and said, listen, I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm just talking to you. I'm talking to the priest. I'm talking to the Levites. I'm talking to the, to the fathers of the Levites. Listen, you are the chief leaders. You are the responsible party. In order for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish, we need you to go through the process. I sincerely believe this, and I'm going to bring this to a close tonight. There's much more I could say, but I sincerely believe that not only was the tabernacle of David rebuilt when Jesus resurrected, and that's what Paul and Barnabas and Peter and James was making known to the people of that day in Acts chapter 15, but there has been generation after generation that's came before us that has made sure that there's been a prepared place for the Lord to dwell all across this nation. They've prepared that place through prayer and fasting and of great sacrifice of their life. 
but now entrusted to us as the responsibility, much like what was given to the Levites, to go through the process to usher in what God has for this hour. And I want to say to us tonight, it will not cost us something, but it will cost us everything. But if we will choose to go through the process, I am a firm believer that there is a fresh arrival of his glory. I know it was misunderstood in David's day because even one of his wives thought he had lost his mind. She said, how foolish of you. What was you doing? And he said, listen, you have to understand what I was doing. I was doing unto the Lord. Not everybody's going to understand it. But that doesn't mean it's not necessary for us to go through the process. Yes, David prepared it. But the Levites, they took the responsibility seriously. And they ushered in and they brought in to the place that had been prepared. And they set down the Ark of the Covenant. And for the first time in a long time, the presence of God was amongst the people. Can I tell you today that right now we don't need entertained. We don't need a new fad. But here's what we need. We desperately need the presence of God. Why? Is because in his presence there is what? Fullness of joy. You know when you become joyful, you become attractive. I, I, I have to be careful how I tread tonight, but I, I, I want us to understand that if we're not filled with joy, we're not attractive. And if we're going to reach a world, we're going to have to become attractive. And I'm not talking about creating something to attract them, but I'm talking about letting the presence of God attract them. As they come to the music this evening, I, I can tell you that I have had my feel with gimmicks and marketing strategies and all types of things. As I shared with you this morning about a gentleman in South America that has got the anointing upon his life that can make you lose two pant sizes. But in, in one of those little clips, because I was, I couldn't, I was like, this isn't real, but it is real. Then he got this, in, for one lady, he got this prophetic insight concerning her. By the end of the year, nobody will even recognize you. And people just eating this stuff up over and over and over. Just coming up with a gimmick to become attractive. 
have a gimmick. I don't come with elegant speech. I don't even come with a popular message. I just come with the message of truth. And I understand this, that there's a world all around us that's dying and going to hell while we continue to play and try to do it our way and put him on a new cart and try to usher him in. But he says, there's only one, there's only one process. There was no shortcut for the generations before us, nor will there be for this generation. You can desire it all you will, but if you're not willing to go through the process, if you're not willing to make the changes that's required and needed, if we're not careful, we have become so selfish that we fail to understand that our lives are not our own. They belong to him. And that we should be consumed with reaching a lost and dying world. But if we're not careful, we're so consumed in ourselves that we fail to understand the importance of the process. If I don't go through the process, please hear me, I can't walk with an anointing. And if I don't have an anointing, it doesn't matter how much elegance I may possess or how much charisma I may possess, I don't have anything that has the ability to break the yokes of bondage off the lives of men and women. But if we look around today, can I remind you that there's a generation that's enslaved all around us. There is a prepared place in this Whitewater Valley just like there is in many other places all across this globe. But we have to realize that there is nobody else going to come along and usher in the presence of God or the glory of God except for the church of Jesus Christ in that local vicinity. We can bring in the greatest preacher of our generation we can bring in the most talented singer we can bring in the most talented musician they can come and go but there will be no freedom there will be no deliverance there will be no setting free of a generation around us but when a man of God and a woman of God make a decision to go through the process And say, Lord, mold me, make me, develop me, do the work inside of me. We become equipped. We become spiritually dressed in spiritual attire in such a manner that we can pick up the spiritual ark and we can take it to the place where we are and there can begin to be a shout begin to come up out of the city I wonder tonight I wonder tonight if we are men and women that is willing to go through the process 
What's that look like, preacher? It looks like a man or a woman that just says, you know what, I'm just going to surrender and yield everything. Your process may look a little different than my process. But at the same time, there are those that have came before us that's helped prepare the place. But it's our responsibility to carry the ark because there's a nation. There's a nation worth fighting for today. There's a city worth fighting for. Your family's worth fighting for. Your community's worth fighting for. It's not about a place not been prepared. It's about this. Where's the carriers of the glory? Where is that tribe of Levi today? Where is the Levites today? See, we've got into this mindset, and I'm closing with this thought tonight. We're in a mindset today where it is let the priest or the pastor, the preacher, the evangelist do everything. They have a role to play. Yes, they do. But the tribe of Levi, uh, the, the Levites is the congregation. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. So let us not smirk at it. Let us not ignore it. But let us understand it's important. I won't be where you're at this week. You're going to touch people I won't touch this week. You're going to cross paths with people. Can I tell you the tabernacle of David that has been rebuilt is not on a specific partial of ground, but it is built inside of every man, every woman of faith. So where you go, it goes. And where you go, he goes. And therefore, right there in your business place or wherever you may find yourself, the presence of the Lord can be there and lives can be transformed and changed. Please hear me tonight. We need men and women of all ages to simply say, yes, Lord. The songwriter said it like this. I'll say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. I wonder tonight, are we truly, truly saying yes? Because a tribe of the lineage of Levi was willing to say yes, the city of David heard a sound that it hadn't heard. I wonder what would happen if the Christian man and the Christian woman in Connorsville, Indiana would just simply say yes in this moment. I wonder what kind of sound we could hear in Connorsville, Indiana. I wonder what kind of sound we could hear in the state of Indiana. I wonder. Can I tell you, we need to hear a different sound in our nation. Every other day, mass shootings. Every day, hundreds of innocent lives has been taken. Every few moments, an ambulance has been dispatched for another overdose. 
We need a different sound. But we are the ones that can create the sound if we're willing to go through the process tonight. As we stand all over the house, please. Lord, we love you tonight. Oh, we love you tonight. We stand in your presence, Lord. Lord, desiring, desiring for there to be a manifestation of your glory. Lord, we desire tonight for there to be just a of your presence in such a manner that there begins to be a shout of jubilation within the cities of our nation. Lord, tonight we stand knowing that we need you. We stand knowing tonight that we need to consult you for direction and guidance in our lives in our ministries and in our families, in our businesses. Lord, today we make the decision that we will not lean to our own understanding, but we will put our faith and our trust in you. And Lord, in the midst of a culture that is completely contrary to your word, we stand and we proclaim Proverbs 23 and 23, we will buy the truth and we will not sell it tonight. But Lord, I pray tonight on this Sunday evening, Lord, that there would be a people that would hear the call. Much like the call that David gave, let us hear the call that you have given. Go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Let us hear the call, Lord, that simply says that we can, by your help and by your strength, gather in a harvest. Lord, let us be moved by what we're seeing today in our world. Let us be shaken and awakened from a place of apathy. And let us stand in a place of boldness and let us stand in a place of determination. Let us be in a place of commitment and dedication. Where we build on that which you have asked us to put on and to be the set apart people that you called us to be and help us to run after you and all that you have. Help us, Lord, to get rid of the new cart so to speak and 
help us to put the staffs back in the proper way and help us to elevate the spiritual ark on our shoulders and let us let us bring back that which is absent today Lord we pray for families we pray for ministry families we pray for local ministries in our region tonight Lord let there be an awakening in all of our lives to the importance of the call and the responsibility let us realize that we can be carriers of the presence of God in such a way that there's a sound that begins to be heard in our city. We rise up against every dark thing that would try to exalt itself against every man, woman, boy, or girl in this room. Everything that would try to distract and discourage, everything that would try to hinder them from embracing their giftings and their callings and their purpose Lord, today I pray for there to be a freshness of your Holy Spirit upon them and in them. If there's one under the sound of our voice tonight that's weary, Lord, I pray for a spirit of encouragement to settle down upon them. We know you're still a miracle worker. We know you're still going before us and you're going with us. But Lord, we know this, you have given us responsibility. That responsibility is to bring this message to a lost and dying world. So Lord, help us to light our candle. Remove it from the bushes of life. and Set it on the table and let it shine brightly. Help us, Lord, to be salt that has not lost its savor. But Lord, help us to live in a manner that creates thirst for the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you for life that's going to be reached this week because of the tabernacle of David that's amongst us. The drawing of your spirit, the love of your church, as it begins to ooze into the hearts and the lives of men. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the the beginning sound of revival, the beginning of the awakening that's taking place in our nation. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to go through the process Lord, your word tells us tonight that we are to be holy. So, Lord, help us as we follow after you to put on what we should put on and to remove what we should remove from our lives. Help us to walk in a favorable manner before you. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us souls for the kingdom. Reward your people for their labor and Lord today we pray blessings upon them 
We pray a hedge of protection over them and around them. We pray over their family, their extended family. We pray for their businesses this week. Let it prosper. Let favor be upon them. And Lord, until we meet again, Lord, I pray that you would help us be pleasing in all that we do. In Jesus' name. Lord, everybody, I hope that you have enjoyed your time with us today. I sincerely believe the Lord is taking his word and is touching hearts and lives in this very season. I believe that you're one of those. And we encourage you to continue to join us uh, on these platforms. But today, before we say goodbye to you, until the next time, I'd just like to take a moment and pray a blessing over you. And uh, I hope that if there's some things going on in your life that in this season, You'll simply do what the Word of the Lord says. Just trust in Him. The Bible tells us, taste and see, and you know that He'll be good. So today, I just pray blessings over you. I pray blessings over your family. And if you have yet to surrender your life to the Lord, there is no time like the present to do so. So God bless you today.